Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the last question uh, in this week's Thursday episode. I'm really excited for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because I've got a guest for you today. We have another interview coming up. And two, because it's one that I've been trying to get on the show that we've been trying to make happen since uh, we started this project back in March. Um, I reference her a lot. I talk about her a lot. She calls me out on stuff. She helps me check my thinking. We talk a lot about leadership, uh, both at work, not at work. Uh, we talk about parenting. We talk about kids. We talk about dogs. Uh, today, I'm joined by my wife, Maggie. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for hanging out with me in our basement studio. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, yeah. I think the first time we talked about doing this, you were... You had fallen sick, right? You had, I did. Yeah. And you had kind of lost your voice. So then we said we'd do it after you cut your voice back. And that was about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. Yes. I don't remember. Okay. It was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. So um, I wanted to talk to you. I was excited to talk to you just because I thought it would be cool to have you on. I thought, I think your story is cool. You and I have been talking about this project for a long time. And much, most of the stuff that I talk about on Monday meditations and Thursday episodes you and I have talked about at some point prior, if not multiple times. Um, I, I do my best to protect the names of the innocent and the guilty alike. So, you know, but oftentimes you can bet for those of you listening that from time to time, the stories I'm sharing or the examples I'm using for a question on Monday morning, it, 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 it's equally likely that it's coming from Mag's experience as it is coming from mine. So, She's a big part of the show, whether you realize it or not. Uh, and so we're going to spend a few minutes to get to know her. Is that cool? That works for me. Okay. So uh, I'll start where I start with everybody. Can you talk a little bit about you, where you started, where you're born, how you grew up, what kind of household you grew up in? Oh, well, it all started back in 1986. <laughs> uh, no, that, just, that was just being funny. But no, seriously, I was born in 1986, but I was born in Pennsylvania and uh, grew up in town 50 miles east of Pittsburgh, little town called Lanier. And uh, it was a very small school. And whenever I was uh, looking at colleges, I wanted to go to a large school. And so I looked at Penn State, I looked at Pitt, I looked at Texas A&M, looked at Ohio State, and ultimately decided that Ohio State was the best fit for me. And so went there, and that's where I met you in ROTC. So I, um, back in high school, I was in junior ROTC, and I um, got a scholarship to do ROTC in college, and uh so I went to college through ROTC, met you there, and then I joined the military and did that for four years. And then I became a small business owner where I had crafty mags. Mm -hmm. and Which did what? It I basically made quilted projects. Right. Um, I love quilting. <clears throat> I'm an avid quilter. Don't get to do as much as I would like, but... She loves quilting. She really loves quilting. We could talk about quilting. Yeah. We we may very well talk about quilting. We're <laughs> like, in your quilting den. I know. And and I do enjoy listening to heavy metal or hard rock music while I quilt. 
Look up Dragon Force next time you're on your Pandora app or wherever you listen to music. Look up Dragon Force. That's the music my wife quilts to. It's very motivating. Oh, yeah. So, anyways. Okay, small um, business owner. So, yeah. But I realized that although I enjoyed quilting, there wasn't much interaction with humans because I just had Brutus and Steve with me. Mm-hmm. And so, I decided to get back into the a different workforce of so going back into the federal government and was hired as a secretary to the mission support group commander at FE Warren Air Force Base. And then I got recruited to go into contracting. And I was part of the Copper Cap program, which is an internship program. Uh, you may hear Brutus and Steve playing in the yep. background. Normally, <laughs> normally I'm recording this show downstairs by myself because the dogs are attached to Meg all the time not really to me but of course you've got the entire family down here sans the two boys who are in bed gentlemen uh so uh, you you yeah you get that added on to this week's show that's going to be uh that's going to be yet another treat is our two dogs playing with each other humping each other doing things that dogs do in the background anyway okay mission support group i think uh what no i got into contracting contracting was part of the copper cap program and uh, that was able to transfer from F.E. Warren to Nellis Air Force Base, where so I got to follow you um, to mm-hmm. Nellis. And I got really amazing opportunities at Nellis Air Force Base in contracting. Um, was part of the um, initial Ad Air 2 uh, contract, which uh, was a $280 million uh, adversary air contract. Um, got gained great experience doing that. I did a lot of medical contracts there. And then uh, we decided that we wanted to come home to Columbus. And so I ended up getting a job working for the Defense Logistics Agency, also known as DLA, and did contracting there. And then last March, well, no, I'm sorry. It's already June. Um, March of 2020, I got um, hired into the current position I'm in where I am a supervisor of a team of 12 uh, members that all do contracting. Okay. Well, that's probably the show because you went through your entire life history in like a minute and a half. <laughs> um, all right. So I've, so I have questions. Um, you said you wanted to go to a big school. Where did your parents want you to go or did they care? Um, they wanted me to be in a drivable distance. Um, I, I remember whenever I was in eighth grade and my sister was going to college and she wanted to look at Augustana College, which is in the Quad Cities. And is it really? um it is. And okay. my parents made us drive there oh, to so show drive. how long and far away it was from Pennsylvania. And they said, you know, that was just kind of a, a point to say, if you want to come home, it's not that easy. It's either this drive or at the time we, we didn't come from a lot of money so you know plane tickets you know as a poor college student was yeah. going to be tough to to purchase so. well, it's a small airport too it's not like exactly flying from chicago or something exactly okay so um so anyways i knew they wanted me close um texas a&m uh i had my godparents lived down there and uh so i went to visit it there i don't think my parents wanted me to go there it was really really a nice campus if i wasn't in the military um, or if I didn't have the ROTC scholarship, then I would have probably gone to Texas A&M. Um, but their core cadets was just a little 
a little too military for what I was looking for. Basically going to an academy, right? Exactly. Like, are you ever in civilian clothes during the week? I don't know, but I don't think so. You're, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I guess it's the best of both worlds if you really want the academy experience. but Right. It's a very good school, school, but I yeah. just really wanted the, the extracurricular activity of ROTC instead of my life being ROTC. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> hey. This is when they get their third wind, right? Is late in the evening. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Okay. Um, okay. So you chose Ohio State. You wanted to go to a big school. What were you going to study? Well, I didn't know. Uh, I uh, w- wanted a school that had aviation because I was looking at becoming a pilot. I wanted a school that had engineering because that's what I got the scholarship for, but I didn't know if I wanted to do engineering. And I wanted a school that had zoology or animal science. Um, and I wanted a school that had offered interior design. And if you take those four things, there are not many schools that offer all four of those things. Nope. You got to go to a big school, a yes. big state school. Okay. So you came in as a civil engineer because, because I had the scholarship for it. <laughs> so why did you, okay. So back up a second. Why did you end up in junior ROTC? Uh, ceramics was full. Yeah, this is one of my favorite parts to the story. So you had no intention of doing junior ROTC. None whatsoever. But you had to take an elective. I wanted a study hall. Well, I wanted ceramics, but it was full. So I was going to take a study hall and my principal said, no, I had to sign up for ROTC or junior ROTC. Why? Why wouldn't he let you take a study hall? I don't know. He never explained that to you? No. Okay. You were a junior? I was sophomore. a junior. Well, I was a sophomore signing up for it, but I did it for and two years. So year. junior year and senior year. Okay. So then why, so then why apply for an ROTC scholarship? Because I didn't know how well I was going to pay for college. Okay. Why the Air Force and not any other service? Or did you apply to the other services? I did not apply to the other services. Uh, after talking to my uncle who was in the Navy, uh, he told me, Go Air Force. He was a man of very few words, but he basically said that the Air Force takes care of their people better than the other services. And Uh um, I don't know. The the Air Force was just, I mean, I wanted to be a pilot at the time. And I know the Navy has a good pilot program, but I just thought my chances of becoming a pilot were better um, in the Air Force. Okay. So how would you characterize your ROTC, your senior ROTC experience? In college, what a character! Yeah, like what? What? What do you think about it now? Looking, I guess, what did you think about it when you were there? Well, and what do you think about it now? With so years, I, years after, emotionally detached. So my junior year, that first year that I was in there, I didn't want to do it by myself, and I didn't really know anybody that was in it. So I made my friend Katie sign up with me. <clears throat> so Katie and I, she was actually really into it. She she thought it was really interesting. Um, and, uh, we had fun doing all of the different programs and doing the different color guards and activities that they offered. And I guess we did well. She ended up not taking it senior year. Um, but I did, and I ended up getting, becoming the group commander, which was my school district had a two high schools and the group commander was over the junior ROTC program at both high schools. And then each high school had a squadron commander. 
So I was the, the top lead position for junior ROTC, which at the time I thought was like pretty cool. That was a really good leadership opportunity. Yeah. Especially and, after having only done it a year. Right. And uh, that was kind of like what gave me the, a taste of what leadership is about and learning different, you know, uh, tools and tactics and techniques of, of how to be a leader and whatnot. But um, then going, I mean, throughout, I mean, that was the start of it, but throughout the rest of ROTC and the rest of my careers, though, I've just always kind of really been fascinated about figuring out what is leadership and how can I do it and how do other people take the same definition and completely mess it up and you're you're all just trying to figure out what's the the best way to do it and there it is something that I think is scientific and artful you have to blend it together but it's just something that I I picked up throughout the uh, okay history so what okay so what is leadership to you now and maybe we'll work our way backward because I'm curious about what you thought it was when you left ROTC and how your your definition of it, I don't know if that's the right word, but how you define it has evolved over time. So I guess take it from either end. That makes more sense to you. It's easier for me to tell you what it is now. I don't remember yeah. that long ago, but now leadership to me is taking a group of people that you don't get to control who they are or what, or, you know, how they operate and being able to successfully accomplish a mission. Okay. So it's outcome-based or results-based? I would say yes. Okay. Um, but there are like infinite amount of ways that you can get those results. And I think that's where you run into a bunch of different leadership styles because everybody is choosing these different routes to take in order to get those end results. And the end results are not always going to be the same. You may have a little bit better success um, if you choose one leadership route versus another. So is there, so you make it sound like there is one right way to do it. No, there's not. Is there a wrong way to do it? I would not say there's a wrong way to do it if you get the the mission accomplished. Um, If you don't, do the end result then i would say that's probably a wrong way to do it because you didn't succeed but um okay. i think there are better ways than other ways okay so what do you, what are the ways or what is the way you implement the most what kind of leader are you now i am a leader that takes care of my people because i'm a firm believer if you take care of your people then they will want to work hard and be able to work hard to accomplish the mission were you born with that? I don't know. Okay. It's probably, that's the fairest answer probably. <laughs> um, well, where do you think, where does that come from then? Right. Cause I've heard that before. So we talk about this a lot, but I've heard that I, I had heard phrases similar to that before. Well, maybe not before meeting you, but most of all of my military time coincides with time spent with you. So, Maybe that's not an appropriate way to, well, where does that come from? Do you think? Where did that idea come from? Where did you first hear it? Do you remember? I don't know where I first heard it. I mean, I've heard it 
a lot in my history of learning about leadership. Um, books, podcasts, real life experiences, instructional classes, um, in-person classes, online classes. Um, oh, oh, I've done a lot of leadership training in my life. Um, and I've heard it in multiple places, but, um, initially I don't know where I heard it, but, um, I would say that just the reason I have personally chosen to lead that way though, is because I have seen in both your career and my career where we have leaders that are more so using their team members to boost them up instead of like having the team members serve them because they are in power um, and they end up not being very successful. Um, the, it, the leader, the individual ends up, whatever the mission is, does not end up being yeah, successful. That group, that okay. Yes. Yeah. So uh, with witnessing that, and then also witnessing leaders that do serve their teams and try and make their teams happy and enjoy their, their career, enjoy the, the task, end up being extremely successful and having um, better results. Okay. So this is, so it occurs to me when you say take care of, if you take care of the people, they will take care of the mission. I'm right. paraphrasing, but that's right. basically it, right? So for a long time, one of the phrases I did not want to hear when I was on active duty was take care of your people. And there's a reason for that. So what, what do you do when you take care of your people? What does that mean? The first thing I would say is that I establish trust both ways. So an environment where a leader and its team members trust each other, um, enable open communication, um, enable an environment where mistakes happen and they're allowed to happen. And as long as you bring them up and we can fix it and find a, a solution to it, it's not a problem. And you can move forward and continue on to the end goal. Um, without trust, you have people hiding mistakes. Without trust, you have um, poor morale. You have um, no communication or very little communication. And all of those things um, are very important to uh, being successful in completing your mission. Okay. What, what else besides, so I think, so it's, it's easy to argue for trust, I think. What else besides trust? Are, are there any other markers that you use to, to figure out whether you're taking, whether you're taking the best care of them or not? How do you know when you've failed to do that for someone or when you succeeded to do that for someone? Mm. I don't know how to answer that, but I will say that um, in addition to trust, another way I take care of my people is to get to know them. Um, you can read all of the books you want on do this, this, and this to in order to be a good leader, but um, every person is different and everybody is motivated differently. Um, for example, um, my team, I have some members that have leave that when they retire, they will have to either buy it back or lose it or something because they have so much leave. And, um, 
they like money. So, you know, if they do well, I would like to give them the money for their um, accomplishments. But there are others that really like to take leave. They, they, you know, it re-energizes them. They're the types that, um, you know, work to live instead of live to work and their leaves precious to them. So whenever they do really well, I like to give them leave. Um, but when I did my initial interviews, that was the first thing I asked them was, you know, what, what motivates you? What, what do you, what would you like as a reward for doing well? And it's going to be different for everybody. You can't make any assumptions. And I think a lot of leaders either make assumptions or don't care, or they do care and they just don't know the questions to ask, or I don't know. So what? So what do you think about your leadership style? How much of how you lead day to day have you learned? I'm trying to figure out what what part of this has been learned versus what part of it may have been innate versus what part maybe came from your upbringing where it wasn't from classroom per se, but you saw it. Well, I think the, if you're asking pretty much nature versus nurture, I think the nurture aspect of my leadership style is that I have a heart that cares for everybody. And as you well know, it can be detrimental to me. (laughs) Well, but can you point to, so like in junior, junior ROTC was only two years of high school, but a lot can happen in two years, four years, almost five of ROTC. What did you pull out of those programs that you still use? Did you, or did you pull anything out of those programs that you use? So honestly, I, I don't know. Um, I know I've used stuff that I've learned back then because I just keep building on what I've learned, but looking back at, I can't identify like, oh, I learned this at this point in my life. I, I've just kind of, yeah, okay. I mean, and learning is not just, um, you know, reading, you should do this. It, it's also like seeing bad examples and ma- making a mental note of, okay, no, I'm not going to do that in the future. Um, whenever you and I in college, we, we both worked at the chemistry store on uh, campus and um, it was a great job for an individual because we would just be there. Usually, I think you and I both worked in the evenings, but um, yeah, I was always nights and like 11 to one or something. Oh, I, I was just always in the evenings. Yeah. But um, it was very slow, but whenever the chemistry labs that were in the evenings would need like a beaker or goggles or something, they would come down and we would get it for them. Well, our supervisor there to this day is still somebody that I try and emulate um, my leadership aspect because he was the nicest man and he also really taught me how to take care of people and it was almost to the point where like you would feel guilty almost letting him down. Like you, you did not want to let him down at all. Like, because he was just such a nice person. And, um, I still, I, I think of him quite often and that had nothing to do with, you know, ROTC military or anything like that. That was just a boss that we both had. Yeah. He didn't spend one day in the military. If anything, he had some choice words sometimes for the government and for the military when we were doing something he didn't appreciate, but he had every right to talk about it too. But it was in, in, in my experience, at least I thought it was kind of fun to have those conversations because he would, he would voice his opinion and then he'd be like, you probably don't want to talk about this too much, do you? 
it's kind of hard for me to talk about true, but um, he was always engaged and interested and he treated us very, very well. In, in spite of the fact that he didn't always agree with stuff the government did, right? Like he saw us walk in in uniform and he always treated us amazingly well. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, so then do you think, so is this something that you can learn or that you can teach in a classroom at all? Because so far it seems a lot of what you do and a lot of how you apply your style comes from the good and bad leaders you've worked for. So I honestly think that... Is there any value then in training it? Absolutely. There is a ton of value in training it. But one class is not going to make somebody a great leader. Um, Or let me rephrase that. It could make them a great leader. It may not make them the best leader. Um, Leadership is one of those things that, A, is you can constantly learn about it. Um, there are so much information out there and there's so many practical experiences. And once you think you got it, then something happens and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do in this scenario? Um, and so, and again, it goes back to everybody's different. So you may have an exact similar scenario that you handle one way with one person and you'll have to handle a completely different way. For example, um, the military, um, I had this one staff sergeant that worked for me and I gave him a task and he was really upset about it and he was whining and complaining about it and I took a box of tissues and I chucked it at him and said are you done and he started laughing and said thank you I needed that and he buckled up and he got the task done um but I couldn't yeah, do that now that. <laughs> did well, you there, hit him with it or did I did yeah yeah in the head yeah yeah I know who this person is and I could see, and that's exactly the response I would expect. There are definitely people I might've wanted to do that with that I would not have, I could not have. Well, exactly. I mean, even in the military, you couldn't do that, you know, with everybody, but you have to know your people. And then, I mean, I guess looking back on it, I was probably taking a chance, but I knew him well enough that I knew his response was going to be, I needed that. So again, it goes back to knowing your people and, everything's different. So I think to go back to your question about, can you learn this in a class? You can learn things and it's always great to get, you know, opinions from others and to just, you know, expand your, your toolbox, if you will, of, uh, you know, leadership tactics and, um, whatnot, but, um, it's an never ending, uh, process to leadership. You just keep learning. Do you, does someone who wants to supervise, who wants to lead a team, who wants to take care of a team, do they need to start with training or do they need to start doing the job and then train later? Like, is it? I don't think it's a set either or. I think you could be successful in both scenarios. Okay. When you say get to know your people, what, how do you do that? You talked about initial interviews, right? Where you ask them what motivates you? What else do you do to get to know your people? Quote, unquote talk to them, ask them about their personal life, ask them what makes them tick. When do you do that type of thing? Because I think that I've known plenty of leaders, so have you, that don't do that. And then I've, and then I've had people ask me, like, how do, I, how do I get to know them better? I just don't know. And it's almost as if the answer is so simple, they just don't see it. Like, you just have to well, ask them about something other than work. With the Once, at least. With the COVID pandemic that just happened, um, my current leadership position, 
I still have not met a single member of my team. I shouldn't say that. I met three of them before we, we went into telework, but I wasn't in the position yet. 15 months ago. Right. Right. And then I haven't seen them, but, um, so working remote, I'll be honest there again, that was one of those things that I was like, you know, I, I've been a leader before, but now it's going to be tough because I've never led from afar where I don't even know what these people look like. (laughs) Um, but I, I'm making a point to, to call them and, um, I'll even just be sitting working and I'll be like, what that so-and-so is up to. Um, and then I'll just give them a call, check on them. Hey, how's it going? Ask them about their personal life. Ask them if they're, you know, have something that's, um, they've been really passionate about whether, you know, it, it be in their personal life or maybe they're working a big project for work or something like an extra project or something, just call and you just talk to them and you get to know them. Um, I'm not saying you're going to spend, you know, two, three hours on the phone with them. I mean, but at the same time, you also don't want to limit them if they want to talk to you for that long, because the more you get to know them, the more you understand how you can um, utilize their uh, talents to best accomplish the mission. So what if you're afraid? So I've been asked this question and I have asked this question. What if you don't know? So if you're just, if you're thinking about them or let's say you're, you're just running through your roster and it's time to call this person but you're afraid that if you call them, you're going to be bugging them or they don't want to hear from you. So again, you get past that or do you, and this goes probably back to the nurture part, but you know, I will schedule my initial feedbacks, my midterm feedbacks, my final feedbacks. And during those meetings, you, well, during the initial meeting, you can feel for, for how they're going to perceive you. Um, I will always stay in communication with every single member, whether it be through, you know, an instant messaging service or email or phone calls. But on my team right now, I have a couple individuals that if I call them, I get one word answers and they hang up the phone. Um, but if I email them, they'll email me back a whole, whole paragraph. Um, you know, or if I, I am, um, you know, we can have a conversation on instant messenger. So there's, you're still getting that communication through to them, but they are the ones that just aren't big phone talkers. I mean, you aren't I a big, not a big phone talker <laughs> at all. Nope. <laughs> do not, <laughs> do not actually enjoy talking. On the phone. But again, and like I said, that's probably more of the nurture thing. Cause you can, you should, well, I am able to pick up on that um, right away. But I also, as you well know, am the type of person that can be at the grocery store and have the checkout counter lady, you know, tell me her whole life in a matter of 15 seconds. For what it's worth, uh, this is a classic story. We were at a Walmart, and I don't remember where the Walmart. I want to say it was at Minot, actually. Maybe. I don't remember. Um, For some reason, so we're checking out, and it's just the two of us, and for some reason we're paying separately. I might have been buying, so I was probably buying something for the squadron. And I had to pay so I could bring a receipt in. So anyway, I go in line first. I put the whatever it is on the conveyor belt. Um, She checks me out. I don't think she says anything. Or maybe she said, did you find everything? I swipe the card, pick up the bag. And then I step aside. And then Maggie gets through. And it took her three or four times as long to check out. Because this lady who was going through a lot ended up just spilling her guts. Yeah. She was telling me about a divorce and her kids and I mean, they're an illness in the family and you name it. I felt really bad for her. So just about everyone we meet talks about how outgoing, likable, relatable you are. And so the only answer I can ever give is, yeah, she's, 
she's the nice one because <laughs> you just seem naturally able you you naturally help people bring their guard down for for better or worse so far i think it's probably for the better it seems for the better but you're not the type to use that for for bad intent some people are right. that way but it's no. not like you're using it against them um okay so so this is something else i was i was curious about so it you're getting to know your people, you know, which ones will accept a call, which ones, how they're going to respond. How do you, and this may seem simple, but I, but I, this is another one of those questions I did not expect to get when I was teaching ROTC. How do you keep track of everybody? So we would talk to cadets about you, you, it may not seem obvious in college when everybody's a college student, but when you are a young 22 year old officer supervising airmen who have more of a life than you do, they're older, they have kids, they have financial trouble, they have cars to pay for, they have houses and spouses and parental problems and whatever else. They would ask me, well, how am I supposed to keep a track of all that? So, and I didn't, I don't think I had the, an answer that satisfied them. So I I'll said, be honest. Do. I, I'm I'm old fashioned. I like a notebook and pen and um, it's easier for me to take notes writing and opposed to like being in front of a computer screen and typing or whatever while I'm talking to somebody. Um, but I'll just be writing things down as, as they tell me. And so I can reference it um, again, whenever I took the, my current job and I didn't know them, I had no idea other than a list of names when I first called them, like, that was all I knew of them. So I couldn't put any um, thoughts on I, on how they would be different or anything. So I knew like, I can't put a face to the name either. Um, and I'm a very visual person. So, uh, you know, I just took a notebook and um, was writing down, you know, oh, this person's kids' names are, you know, Bob and Tom. And this person has... It's, two dogs that are like their babies and you know whatever we talk about just you know I write it down now I'll be honest that's when you're first meeting them but I'm pretty good at, at remembering it but if I forget I can always go back and reference it but also if I write it handwrite it then I'll remember it better um but that yeah you just keep that notebook around and you can write your notes in it but I know a lot of people will probably type or um you know have like a remarkable or whatever that yeah evernote or evernote apps, or apps. yeah yeah there's okay. many a lot, lot of different technol technologically advanced systems out there but i like a good old-fashioned yeah. notebook, and pen. notebook and pen um okay a couple more questions what was the toughest position from a leadership perspective what was the toughest position you ever had being a parent okay <laughs> why because i'm just curious why might that be the toughest leadership or the toughest challenge for you? because i'm constantly questioning myself of you know you you have so many good days and bad days but uh just it's that constant am i doing okay is this tiny human that we have created like going to be a good citizen in America and you know especially whenever they're like screaming because they want to carry their Elmo book out of the store and we haven't paid for it yet and we're like we just have to pay for it no I want to carry it now <laughs> this is just the freshest experience that comes to mind 
<laughs> but and you're just standing there wondering like you know yeah also i will say the youngest one who is six and a half months seven, old yeah seven, seven, um seven. is a very tough negotiator mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I have taken several classes on negotiations and I'm actually would like to say I'm pretty good at it um, in contracting. However, I am not good at it when it comes to parenting. That's my boy right there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What is, we could, we could talk about parenting for another couple of hours, but I'm I'm just thankful they're alive. They made it to this day, to the end of the day alive. And they're healthy. Sleeping soundly and healthy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's hard. Um, Okay. So, Okay, so then what's the one leadership, either act or decision, what's something you've done? What's the number one thing you've done or not done, I guess, in the past that you would change or take back? Number one mistake, if you will. Oh, big mistake. Hmm. I don't know. It's late. I'm tired. Eight thirty PM on a Sunday. Uh and yes, both of us have work. The kids have daycare and school tomorrow. Um okay, so we can table that one unless you've thought of something. Yeah. I know there was I've made many, many, many mistakes. I'm not saying that I'm perfect by any means. I just honestly I am tired and I I don't like to dwell on mistakes and think about them because then I'll just lay upstairs in bed and be like, Oh man, I can't believe I made that mistake. Oh, yeah. even though it was, you know, seven years ago or whenever it was, but it's yet another place where you and I differ. <laughs> I tend to dwell a lot. Okay. It's late. Uh, I'm going to let you go. We're both, both of us are probably going to go to bed here soon, but um, hopefully that conversation was useful. I know it's always useful for me. We talk about this stuff probably more than you might realize, um, we talk about this stuff at home and while it may seem, I don't know, maybe it seems nerdy to talk about or whatnot. It definitely helps me. It definitely helped me when I was teaching cadets. It helps me now as I move into the private sector full time. Um, and certainly as parents, the more we talk about what leadership is to us and what it means to raise our children, right? I think the better shot we have at actually doing it. So anything else you want to say before? we stop no just thanks for having me on here and uh it's an honor to to talk with you and be a part of the show and i appreciate you constantly asking me and i finally got up the courage to agree mm-hmm. <laughs> you can come on anytime thanks okay we'll do it again <laughs> all right folks nothing else for you tonight um or today, depending on when you're listening to this. It is uh, June 2021, right? So we mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic a couple times. Who knows when you might be listening to this. But if this happens to be you and it's a few years down the road, that's the world we're living in now. Uh, If you've got questions, if you've got feedback, good or bad, rate, review the show. If you hated it, I still want to know about it. And as always, you can email us, ask at thelastquestion.blog. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.